I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. Straight off this one from Dan on email. As a diehard Juventus fan, does the potential signing of Leonardo Bonucci make Union Berlin a legitimate contender to end the Bayern streak, Andy? Well, Dan, I think it underlines why they are maybe a legitimate contender to go for the title. So I don't think in and of itself it pushes them over the hump. I'm sorry to bring up that phrase when you're still probably fresh from the Cristiano Ronaldo signing is only a couple of years back, wasn't it? But I think Bonucci going there shows how the profile of Union is 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 changing over Europe. Now, if they've put themselves in this current position, it's by being really well run for a number of years. Now, you'll know the basis of the Union story in the um, you know struggling in the in the third tier stadium. Um, Kupernik is not really fit for purpose. Tiny. Um, the, yeah, the, the 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 fans come together and literally rebuild the stadium with their own hands. Promoted for the first time in 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 2019, and since then, with the coach and the sporting director that they already had, Oliver Runa, the the um, sporting director, and Urs Fischer, the, the the coach, those two work brilliantly together. They've done really well. Um, it's a really well coached team. It's that they recruit really well. And where they've moved on, I suppose the the Max Cruiser signing when he left Fenerbahce was, was was probably the turning point for them, because that's the moment where they realised that they could get superstar players and that they could make superstar players fit into their existing model. Now, of course, when Max Cruiser turned up for training the first couple of days in his like supercar with his like LeBron James Laker jersey on. Everyone was a bit, all right, hello. But I, th- I think having got past that culture, Max Cruiser, bear with me, is actually really important for them because he's that turning point where they realise they could fit stars, unlikely Union players, into that model. And so after that, they come very close to signing Isco, of course, David. And, and then um, you get further down the line this summer, they pick up Robin Gosens, whose last act for Inter was to almost score an equaliser in the Champions League final. You pick up Kevin Folland, who's had a great career for the national team, um, done well away in Monaco. Luca Tussar, a player who Herta, their rivals, bought when they were looking to push towards the Champions League places. And then you get Bonucci. Now, Bonucci, I think, is there for not just what he does on the pitch, but his ability to raise standards off it as well. They're sensible. They're they're succeeding, but not stretching themselves to a ridiculous degree. They're not making massive gambles with the future. And for that reason, I think if there's a team, you know they say if you stay in the if you stay in the barbershop long enough, you're gonna get a haircut. I think by basically being 
the sanest club at the top end, especially when you look at the fluctuation of fortunes um, at Dortmund and Leipzig. You can definitely make a case for them. Why are all these players, relatively big players, heading for Union Berlin? What they do believe they in the, see? They believe in the project. They believe, they believe in the project. They, they can see what's happening. They can see a coherent strategy. And I think that really matters to players. David, this question from Rob Morris on X, formerly Twitter, as everybody's got to say nowadays, is not the only question on this subject. But his is, how has Mason Greenwood's signing been received amongst Getafe fans and the Spanish media? I said it's not the only question. Uh, this one is from Tom, uh, which I suppose is not unconnected. Has the fallout from the Rubiales scandal shaped public opinion on this? Right, okay. I'll deal with the Greenwood one first, I think. Um, Hedafia fans have been incredibly receptive to this signing. Um, there hasn't been the level of outcry that we've seen um, in, in England, I think. Do they know what the outcry would be about otherwise? <laughs> Are they aware? Part of me wonders if they do know the full details of, of all this. If you look at what the club have said themselves, let's let, let's start with them first. The club have said themselves, they have littered themselves with inaccuracies throughout when they've been speaking about this. So if that's the line from the club, then I can only imagine the fans definitely don't have any idea. Yeah, like for example, they, they've said that he was he was cleared of all charges mm. rather than the charges were discontinued yep. due to l lack of a realistic prospect of conviction, which, which is an important definition to make, isn't it? Yeah, and then... Look, if they did know the full extent, do I know that the reaction will be different? I don't know. Sometimes things are received differently in different cultures and what have you in different countries. But the, to answer the question directly, the Tafia fans have received Greenwood very, very well. There was euphoria there at the stadium. He took selfies with young fans, children. Um, there was a big atmosphere there. They don't normally have a big atmosphere. Look, they're, they're, they're a very, very small club in Madrid. There's other clubs in Madrid that are far, far bigger than them. It's tough for them to find a, you know, a little angle, a place, I think, in that city inside Spanish football. They view this signing as an opportunity for them to, to find a space to be talked about. And I think we can only see that by, we can see that purely by looking at their English Twitter account, for instance, and how they've handled everything there. Um, Hatafi have decided to approach this signing by putting themselves inside a bubble, their bubble, and not listen to any of the noise outside. So when... It comes to things such as questions from press and what have you. I think the only two questions that were on the particular case surrounding Greenwood were by English outlets in The Athletic and The Guardian. So there was no questions from the Spanish press. I don't think there's any, I'm not seeing any desire particularly from the Spanish press either to lift the lid on this case or look further into it like other outlets have. So... That's exactly how things stand, pure and simple there with Greenwood. I mean, it's quite damning, isn't it? And if we come on to Tom's question about the potential for the fallout of the Rubiales well, yeah. situation. What a, time. what a time for Mason Greenwood to be unrolled as a new player for Yeah, e exactly. And I think it's important that you, you go back and underline the fact that Angel Torres, the, the, the president of Getafe, who's a big figure in Spanish football over the last 15 years, was... I think the first president to call for the resignation of Rubiales. And so it feels like he's not walking it as, as, as he talks it, um, that he's um, happy to say something about an abstract concept that maybe 
doesn't affect him that much. But when it comes to something in dealing with his club, he's not prepared to to back up those words. Now, as David was saying, the fact that the, the intricacies of the Greenwood case have not been widely examined in, in Spain, I think you've got to say it's it's a little damning. I mean, if if a player who is a Manchester United player who's not played for the best part of two years because of a criminal complaint against him, um, then is, is, is shunted out by Manchester United to any possible escape route and ends up at Getafe. How are you not asking questions about that? I just find that absolutely remarkable, particularly in the current environment with Rubiales. And what we've seen with Rubiales, we've seen as international breakers has started this week, uh, Alvaro Marata and the other captains of the Spain national team came out and um, gave a statement against uh, Rubiales and um, you know said how he'd, 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 let, um, he'd, he'd let Spanish football down and um, how they'd they didn't support him and they, they had their full support behind the, the Spanish women's team and recognise their achievement. And then they get to the end of that statement and say, now we have to get on with the football. It's like, what on earth is that? It's just to underline the whole, undermine the whole statement, really. It's very different to say, Borja Iglesias, who's one of the few... Actual protest involves some sort of jeopardy, doesn't it? And so you have Borja Iglesias coming out and saying... Okay, I'm, until Rubiales is gone, I'm not playing for the national team. End of. And the way that, say, Luis de la Fuente, the 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 the, the current um, coach of Spain, sort of ducked that again, I thought was pretty lousy. And the problem with that is you had a lot of players coming out. I think you know supporting the the Spain women's team. But the big issue in Spain this week has been Danny Carvajal's comments. Now, Danny Carvajal did a radio interview, a late night radio interview. Radio runs very late, Spanish radio, football radio shows run very late in Spain. And he did an interview and he was widely condemned for that. And then he was put in a position of defending himself the next day. Um, the opinion I have of Rubiales is that he's always had an excellent professional relationship with me. Everything he has been able to help with us regarding families or trips, he has been exceptional. So Unbelievable. He said, yeah. And it went against the grain <laughs> of this statement that Andy's brought up which confuses the matter further nothing of this matter has been straightforward it really hasn't taken so many twisted turns um, you know the, these Carvajal comments and now uh, Jenny Hermoso raising it now to um, a sexual assault uh, claim as well against Rubiales so it's a case of waiting for the next twisted turn in this and who's going to say the wrong thing or who's going to say the right thing you're waiting again so yeah this one's going to Go on as well. As you will probably know, um, civil rights activists, as, as well as women's groups in Spain, have suggested that there is a cultural aspect to this, that what was once accepted culturally is now meeting at the coalface unacceptability in the modern age. Yeah, and look, we've touched on this before. I've said, uh, I said before when I've discussed with Spanish people when I was living in Spain, five, six, seven years out in, in, in Spain, and there was always the thing, our country, our culture. That's their phrase. Very defensive over things, whether it be, um, you start a big debate over bullfighting, for example. Very protective of things in their culture. Very protective of people telling them, oh, you should do things this way. Very stubborn 
I think they're a very stubborn culture in that sense, in, in their ways. So in that in that sense, does the global outcry over it have little effect? It's going to have... Or does no, it have the reverse effect? I don't think it's going to have any effect. I really do. I, I think people are so set in their ways of what they believe, what they think, that they won't be changed. And look, if you, if you say to them as an Englishman, oh, this is how we're looking upon things in our country now, they'll say, all right, we've got, you've got loads of problems in England. Why don't you sort out this problem? Why are you telling us about our problems? You've got plenty of problems. Why don't you focus on yours? So it's kind of that outlook on things. And especially with social media as well, I think a lot of the outcry, going to Greenwood, I think, we'll, we'll focus on Greenwood here because that's the original question. A lot of the outcry has, I think, come from England. There's been a, a, a large part of it as well. Um, Hatafe as a club are very small. They've got next to no presence online. So if you look in the comments, quote retweets and what have you of these Mason Greenwood posts, there's no Hatafe fans there. They're such a tiny block. They're living in this little suburb mm. of Madrid. That is their bubble. All that matters to them is their bubble. They don't care what Darren from East London is saying on social media. They are living in their little bubble and that is how the club is operating with this. They have signed Mason Greenwood, extremely exciting England player. They are not signing the Mason Greenwood that we have seen and we have become to known now in recent months, recent years. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This from Rahul on Instagram. Can David tell me more about the current situation at Atletico? It seems like Diego Simeone is being asked to perform miracles. I, I get where that's coming from. Um, it's an asset-stripping regime. 
That's that's simply where it is. I think Atleti have been ran terribly for a number of years. You go back to when they reached the Champions League finals, when they were they were the most dangerous team in the Champions League, the most feared team in the Champions League, because they were. Nobody wanted to play them. It was horrific playing them on many levels. They had that success. They brought in a lot of money to the club. That money has largely stayed in the club or stayed with the owners of the club. They haven't had a massive outlay outside of João Felix. And João Felix is somebody now they've passed off to a direct rival for free. Yannick Ferreira Carrasco, another player, he's gone, Saudi Arabia as well. And I was even looking, there was comments from Griezmann as well. So, uh, for, sorry, there was a claim in the, in the French press that Griezmann had an offer as well to go, a two-year contract. And I'm thinking, if the money was probably put there, they would have let Griezmann go as well, despite him being... They wouldn't have a team then, virtually. But it doesn't matter because Simeone would still be asked to perform miracles. The pressure that he is under is enormous. And that's why you have to be careful with criticism of Diego Simeone. I think there's certain criticisms you can level at him, of course. Yeah, he's a bloody stubborn guy. He's one of the most stubborn coaches there is. But you look what he has to deal with. Um, what's taken away from him? What's not given to him? He's really, really up against it. And it's very, very sad the way that they have been run, I think. And Atleti fans have been let down. I think it's one of the stories that is not covered enough when it comes to, to Spanish football. We always talk about Barcelona's finances. That's what gets mm. every that's what gets that's what gets the headlines. The levers that they're pulling, the the bad money situation, the money that they owe out, the contracts that they can't register. Trust me, Atleti are in a very, very bad situation as well. And you know, it's a it's a bit of a dark one, I think, at the top there. Well they've always been heavily reliant on Champions League money, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, and there was definitely a point where they're wage bill was getting a little bit out of control, I think, post the second Champions League final, especially after some of those big signings. But on the other hand, you look at the last couple of years and you look at the signings. You look at Aspilicueta, you look at Witzel, you know, players that have been bombed out of really equivalent clubs because it's felt they're getting a little bit old. But Simeone has just had to make do with scraps, really, Mm. hasn't he? Yeah, and he asks for things, but look, he's not going to... Uh, flip a lid and pack his stuff and go. He's just not that character. Right, yeah. he gets paid very well not to. Exactly, he gets paid very well, yeah. which, which is a caveat. We must say he does get paid very well. However, he has still been left with odds and ends to work with, I think. This is a question that both of you can engage in. Paul on email says, Has, there's been a, a lot of talk in England about refereeing with the intention to be much stricter on certain behaviours, particularly dissent, but we haven't heard much about what referees in Europe will be doing differently. Are there any major changes in how referees intend to apply the laws coming in the other leagues? And how are they being received? Well, the, the one that really springs to mind, actually, and I, th- I think this is um, uh, useful, the fact that Paul starts in the beginning, the beginning uh, about talking about um, changes in English refereeing or Premier League refereeing, because the way that the Premier League is played other leagues want to bottle that sort of excitement on on the on the field and in, in the stands. And what's changed in France this season is the referees have all had a lecture about how contact isn't necessarily a penalty. Now that has been something, as you will always have when there's a change in refereeing directive in whichever league, there will be misunderstanding and um, a, a level of players and coaches being aghast in, in in the first couple of weeks of the season. Now, of course, the fact is that any refereeing association, um, they 
give talks and lectures to individual clubs and, and squads at the start of every season and tell them how it's going to change. I mean, they're all sat there looking at their phones and not listening, basically, aren't they? And you can tell by the way that three games into the season, they go, but uh, what, what's, what's happening here? Exactly what we told you would happen a month and a half ago before the start of pre-season training is exactly what's happening here. So, for example, we saw in the uh, Nantes Monaco game um, about a week and a half ago, a very exciting game, um, a couple of penalties not given in that now. De- de- definitely one of at least one of them should be given but um you had actually Pierre Aristoy the the non coach say come actually coming out in the camp in front of the cameras and saying afterwards um I, I spoke to the referee about the penalty that we didn't get and he said um yeah he said that there was there was contact, but not enough contact to justify a penalty so he wasn't on his mobile uh, uh, phone uh, you see he, that ref no he, he uh, well the, the coach was actually because he said the ref Aristotle said the ref said to me um, there had, there had been contact uh, on on our player but not enough contact to justify a penalty but he said to the to the TV cameras but he said the word contact which says to me it should be a penalty and you think well that was exactly what has been explained <laughs> to you <laughs> like six weeks ago yeah. but but yet you've you've not really listened or you've not really absorbed it or you're finding it difficult to accept because that's not you know what you've been trained to go with in the in, in in the heat of the moment of course he was just doing an interview directly after the game when emotions are high all that sort of stuff so people are finding that very very difficult to adjust to but it's a really good example of how influential the Premier League is I think on other leagues and how that sort of pace, that sort of excitement, that sort of spontaneity, which you could argue is being killed by VAR, is something that, that, that people are really, really keen to incorporate into their football. And in Spain, the chief concern, I think, throughout all of this has been the amount of time that the ball is in play. So when it comes to your added on time. Oh, we're not talking about Hitafe again, are we? <laughs> hey, we're there, we're there, we're there. We're there. Good start. Real Madrid Hitafe this past weekend was the game with the ball in play for the most time. No way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was in uh, play for 60 minutes, 28. However. Which is more than Hitafe's oh, previous three matches, probably. <laughs> however, Mallorca and Athletic Club de Bilbao. Uh-oh. 96-minute game. The ball was in play for 46 minutes, 10. <laughs> so this is with the new initiatives as well. So that hasn't improved. Spain was notoriously low before all this came in. It was the lowest on average across Europe's top five leagues. And the new initiatives haven't improved anything there. And when Andy has just left it there in terms of excitement and joy in terms of a natural flow of play, it's a big, big issue in Spain. It really is, and it continues to be. How they now approach it, I'm not too sure because they've tried both things and it's not improving. I think it's just the way that people approach the games. But it's a big, big issue. Well, let's say for our listeners, one of the big issues in Spain is Jude Bellingham because many of our listeners, if not most of them, are England supporters. This is from Graham on Instagram. What will Jude Bellingham need to do or achieve before he's in the Ballon d'Or conversation? Take England to a trophy. Take Real Madrid to a couple of trophies. One, uh, one particular trophy would be big ears. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But re- really, I, th- I think it's not just what Bellingham himself does. I mean, I think it's easy to get swept up in these 
this first month and a half of of Jude Bellingham at Real Madrid. Jude Mania. I, I, yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying we shouldn't. It's incredibly exciting. And again, we talked in the main show yesterday about the strength of personality that Sergio Ramos has. I think that's a huge thing with Jude Bellingham. It's not just ability, it's personality and the way he defines the game and brings the supporters along with him. It's extraordinary, really, the feeling he creates in a in a stadium. And I, I don't think that can be underrated. There are very few players who can do that. However, in the post-Messi-Ronaldo era, for a player to win the Ballon d'Or that's not a forward, because I think you'd say the most obvious next couple are probably Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland, I think you need a superhuman season from him and a slightly below their magnificent pass season from from both of them because it's not just what he does in isolation that will be that will influence this happening i guess the, the question is would jude bellingham david be able to win the ballon d'or in two or three years at real madrid if we're talking about a situation in which they've got Kylian Mbappe, because if they have a really successful team with Mbappe in it, it's going to be Mbappe winning the Ballon d'Or, not him. Is it because this season, because there's that sort of centre-forward shaped hole, so Bellingham can make the team more definably his, if everything goes the way it's meant to go for Real Madrid, he will be one of their most important players for the next 10 years. He won't be their one most important player for the next 10 years. I think absolutely. I think... If you had two enormous personalities and two enormous talents like that, and especially at Real Madrid, naturally you put one on a pedestal. And don't forget Vinny Jr. as well. Key one to words. Bra- He's Bra- listening to this at the Bra- moment, Bra- doing Bra- his isn't he? Brazil want that Ballon d'Or back. It's been too long for them. They're, they're, they're sick. They've seen Cristiano and Ronaldo, Cristiano and Messi go off now, and they're like, all right, okay, we've got Vinny, and then Haaland, and then Mbappe come along, and now Bellingham. So yes, I, I think Bellingham has got the edge. Because he has got Real Madrid instantly. He has got the fans instantly on his side. They love him. I almost think there's a bit of Sergio Ramos in him. Because you can just see that warrior type mm. psyche come out of him. I think Mbappe, Real Madrid fans already dislike him after everything that's gone on for the past few years. Well, so you think he'll, I, I tend to think he'll be one of those. Cristiano Ronaldo type players at Real Madrid where he's respected and appreciated but not necessarily loved would that be fair? Yeah no absolutely look there's been probably been better more successful players uh, at Real Madrid than Guti but Guti is the one who is you know he's one who's really really loved you know that's a great example of a player who was an absolute top level, Ballon d'Or level, mm. up there with the greats. But he is just loved at Real Madrid for what he is and what he represents. And I think Bellingham's going to be that person, but also be the player. I, I agree. I, I think it's something that you, is is difficult to grasp about Real Madrid when you're when you're not in Spain. Sometimes that the most adored players there. That's why it's so special what's happening with Bellingham at the moment. Because to be extremely successful, extremely influential, and adored on that level. Cristiano Ronaldo never had that. And he was frequently pissed off about that. Whereas, say, Raul, for example, is on a far higher level for most match-going Real Madrid fans than a Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. You know, he's far more dear to them. 
Oh, is that the time already? Andy, thank you very much. David, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Ask OTC. If you would like to ask a question on next week's show, you can contact us at any time at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel, at David Jacker, and at OTC Pod. Or you can email us otc at footballramble.com. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.